Studios. This, this is the award-winning After 9 with Scott and Kat. Powered by Tony Johal, broker at REMAX Twin City. Your home sold guaranteed or he'll buy it. August 4th is National Chocolate Chip Cookie Day. Who wants chocolate chip? Mm, I do. We're baking chocolate chip cookies. Even chocolate chip cookies are sexy. It's National Chocolate Chip Cookie Ooh. Day. I made chocolate chip cookies for everybody. Ha ha. Whoa. You got really into it there. Ha <laughs> ha. <laughs> I've had a fucking day. Let me tell you about this. Number one. Uh, My dog is staying with me for a couple of days. Typically, he's with my girlfriend most of the time, but she's up at the cottage right now. So the dog is here with me because he's a pain in the butt up at the cottage, and that's fine. I don't mind a pain in the butt. He was here less than 12 hours and got sprayed by a skunk. That's how bad the skunk problem in the suburbs of the greater Toronto area are. I live in Milton, and I've been battling those little fuckers for years. (laughs) It's true. They are bad there. I know. They're bad there. I have phoned my local counselor. What's up, Counselor Cluett? And I asked him straight up, why can I not shoot these little bastards? They keep spraying my dog. It's a nuisance. It's costing me a fortune in skunk baths and shit like that. Nobody's going to say it's okay to shoot in your own backyard. Of course. Of course they're not. So frustrating, Cat. I wish there was something I could do. And the dog's not happy about it. He's laying there. He knows he stinks. I don't want him anywhere near me or touching the furniture or anything. So... The whole thing has just gotten off to a horrible start today. But hopefully we can turn it around because if for no other reason but just reading the comments, wait for later on today, guys. Stephen Lecce is going to talk more about the back-to-school plan in Ontario. And nearest I can tell, it's the most partisan thing you've ever seen. You have some teacher friends. You've mentioned that before. Have you had a chance to talk to any of them about the back-to-school plan? No, I know a lot of them were hopeful that they'd still be able to, you know, have kids in class, and they feel safe personally, so I don't know how much concern there is there, but I know that there are some people who took a look at this and went, I'm confused. I I mean, I now have a dog in the fight because I have a kid going to school in September, and for me, there were some questions I had. I'm just confused about, like, the cohort situation, and don't get me wrong, I, I understand. If you want to go balls to the walls, and that's that's the way you want to do it, like, we're just we're just going gung-ho here, masks on, yes, for those grade one plus, but, um, you know, no cohorting anymore, fine. But they're saying cohorts, but, like, it's recess as usual. Like, be, do they realize how kids act? Like, they, they yeah. realize that there's not they're not going to stay away from other grades and other people on the yard. They're just not. Okay, let me read everybody the story, and then I'm going to tell you what's right about it and what's wrong about it. Ontario's back-to-school plan says students can ditch their mask outdoors, even if they cannot keep a six-foot distance. They can play on sports teams, use instruments in music class, sing, and even go on field trips this fall. The plan that was released yesterday includes guidance on resuming extracurricular activities, loosened restrictions for shared spaces like the library or cafeteria. There is an indoor mask mandate. Anyone in grades 1 through 12 will have to wear a mask indoors. Students will be in school full-time, full days, five days a week, unless they've opted for remote learning. They say they will emphasize outdoor activities by allowing children to share toys and play with friends from other classes at recess. And then today, the education minister is going to announce we're spending $25 million to buy standalone HEPA units for all classrooms that do not have mechanical ventilation. 
that's good. I mean, the HEPA thing is great, as long as you remember to change the filter. That's a lot of money to spend on HEPA filters, but I suppose it needs to be done. What have people been screaming since day one? You gotta have proper ventilation. So they've addressed that. Parents wanted their kids back in school. Many of them did. So they can go back to school. For those who didn't want their kids in school, you don't have to go. Distance learning is still available to you. But if they do go back, no masks outside. Yes, masks indoors. There's not a lot of requirement here for physical distancing. Okay, fine. They will be able to play sports and take the school bus and all those other things. I think probably this is about as close to normal as people could reasonably expect under the circumstances. And there's people on both sides of this at both extremes. Some people insisting it's cruel and inhumane. Don't make kids wear masks. It's wrong. Uh, Well, I mean, most of these kids are not vaccinated and there is still a virus out there with a pretty deadly variant on top of that. So masks are probably a good idea. But let's not forget everything we've learned. Outdoors is much safer than indoors. So no, they don't need to wear a mask outdoors. And we know that COVID doesn't have the same impact on the health of young people as it does on the older, more vulnerable people. So there's that. And if somebody is immunocompromised or they're in a personal situation where their health is compromised, then maybe they should do distance learning. But for the most part, by and large, it's going to be a fairly normal school year. Mm-hmm. I don't know what's wrong with it. I mean, I see the the hashtag fire leche trending like crazy on Twitter. I don't understand why. I mean, I, what what is the problem with this plan? I will say, although I didn't speak with my friends personally, one of the issues for them that I don't believe got addressed, at least not in yesterday's announcement, was the assistance that they required. I mean, if they're going to be in, in a hybrid model and let's say, you know, 80 percent of the students in the class are there and 20% are distanced. I know for some people, depending on the scenario, it can be um, a lot. It can be a lot. And there was no real answer as to how they're going to help the teachers in that case. That was one thing I saw. There were some people really upset about the extracurricular, but to those people, I would say, keep your kids out of it then. Yeah. Um, you know, like it's, it's quite simple. Like just, you can keep your kids out of it. And I know that you're still worried about the spread that will come from it. And okay, that's fine. But there are st- still some things that we can control. So as parents, I didn't see a lot of people upset. It was more so some comments from teachers, which, again, I, I mean, I do understand some of the frustration. Uh, but uh, I don't know. Hopefully with this announcement today, we get more information. I guess. I mean, the education minister is going to be asked some questions. I mean, politically, I think it was smart. He knows that there is going to be teachers that have some legitimate concerns and some that just don't like the man. Yeah. They don't like Doug Ford. They don't like Stephen Lecce. Yeah. They will fight him tooth and nail. He could hand them $1,000 in cash and they'd still find an issue with that. They don't like him and that's all there is to it. Okay, fine. You don't have to like him. But politically, I mean, the government has given parents almost everything that they asked for. And if they don't like what he proposed, he gave them the option to not even go. You can totally withdraw your kid and get the same, well, they say, the same it's, education, distance learning. Not the same, but yeah. Distance learning was such a fucking joke. It's, back it's in not, the, the it spring. doesn't work. I mean, you could talk to parents and teachers on that subject, and it doesn't work. For some kids in certain social settings, and for those who have high anxiety, apparently, that's where it was like money. That's where it worked really well because they didn't do well in those classroom settings. So for those reasons, I get it. But otherwise, if you actually want that education you're not it's not the same the teachers will tell you that and the parents will tell you that 
Yeah, I mean, distance learning, I think, has some definite advantages if it's uh, a, a fairly non-normal thing. I mean, if you're required to, and this was a big thing before COVID, the government wanted you to take one distance learning class per year. And it could be on any number of different things. I think on a class-by-class basis, one that you've got to do distance, that has its advantages. But when you're trying to do what you normally do in person, eight hours a day, online, people lose interest rapidly, teachers and students. So it didn't work in the spring. Kids were at a school way too long. That's 100% Doug Ford's fault. Fuck you, Doug! (laughs) He never, never, never should have canceled the school year like he did. There was no reason to do it, not when other provinces like Quebec closed schools for two weeks, got the spread under control, and then send kids back. You know, uh, Doug was way off the mark on that one. But I do think he got it right in this case. I mean, it seems like a fairly reasonable plan. I, I think there's something in it for everybody, particularly when you can opt out of it if you don't like it. Mm-hmm. And it puts the emphasis on the teachers again. The ones who want to uh, create a stink with the union. Uh, the unions got to really ask themselves how far they want to take their opposition to this. They've got to ask themselves, is this the hill we want to die on? Because if they start doing what I think many people are expecting, uh, rotating work stoppages, interruptions to the school year, strike days, whatever it is that they're planning, that's going to piss off a lot of parents who would probably see this as reasonable. Now, before you get angry at the union, and, and if you're a member of the union, I don't like your union. I think you got, don't even get me started. I don't like your union, but I do understand your position. So let me just say this. If you're concerned about your own health as a teacher, if you're concerned that you're being sent into a building with a class full of unvaccinated people, even though you're vaccinated, you're still in a more vulnerable position than most people are. I totally understand that. And I hope they do something to address that concern for you. But otherwise, I'm afraid that the trap has been set here for the union to make this uber political. And I think parents are going to see right through it and they're not going to have it. They don't want any more days with their kids at a school. So I really hope that the union and the government can work together and find a way to make this work for everybody safely. Is that unreasonable to ask that they work together? Because I don't think it is. It's. No, it's not unreasonable, but it's unrealistic. <laughs> yeah, you're absolutely <laughs> right about that. It's not realistic at all, given the history between the union and the government. But uh, nonetheless, that is the plan. You can read more about it at scottandcat.ca. I did link up the entire document. Uh, note, there's very, very little on being vaccinated in it. Okay. Like a paragraph. I thought that there would be a real strong emphasis on if you're eligible for a vaccination, Go get it. Yeah. And if you're not eligible, the second you are, go get it. Yeah. That's what I thought was going to happen. Instead, one paragraph that recommends getting vaccinated and that's it. Well, maybe it's a starting point, though, because I know that that is that's going to be their toughest topic to tackle is hey, 12 plus. Are you vaccinated? They're not going to straight up ask every student for their info. There's nothing set in stone right now that says that they need to have that done. Um, And parents would lose their mind right now if that's something that they saw. So I wouldn't be surprised if eventually we get there, Scott, but they're not going to say that right here at the start of the school year. They're dipping the toe in slowly. Exactly. They they put it out yesterday with very, very little fanfare. It just dropped because I think they wanted to gauge the reaction. They wanted people to have a, a sober second thought. They didn't want it to come from the two lightning rods, Doug Ford or Stephen Lecce. 
They just put it out there, let people and the media disseminate it, and now today, Lecce comes out. But politically, it's brilliant. I think it was the, the smartest political way they could handle it. Uh, as for the actual plan itself, I don't really care, one way or the other. Uh, no mask outside? Great. That's consistent with what we're all being told. Right. Mask inside? Yeah, that also is consistent. Regular hand washing? Yeah, I, I guess we probably always should be doing that anyway. I think that there's a lot in it for a lot of people, and the fact that you can withdraw is a good bonus. I mean, that's the fail-safe on this. So we'll see how it goes. At the end of the day, though, if they put this plan in and cases start to spike, or God forbid, some kid catches COVID from another kid and brings it home and kills a parent, holy shit, the sky is going to fall. There will be hell to pay. Hmm. So I think the government is really, really doing this on a a wish and a prayer and hoping it goes well. And we do, too. Don't want anybody else to get sick. We want this shit behind us. It's been a while since we've flown anywhere, but yesterday, travelers on Spirit Airlines just got fucked. (laughs) Wait, again? (laughs) Yep. Three days in a row now. They've been dealing with an insane amount of cancellations. Yesterday, it hit its peak. 400 Spirit Airline flights in America yesterday were canceled. 60% of the Tuesday schedule by early evening. A spokesperson says Spirit is dealing with problems created by bad weather, system outages, and staffing shortages. Oh, snap. Is there a shortage of people that are willing to work in the aviation industry? I guess it makes sense if there is. I mean... I saw it when I was in the States on the weekend. There's a lot of businesses that are begging people to come and work for them. There was a lot of restaurants that Mm -hmm. I saw Mm -hmm. that couldn't open their dining room because they can't get enough staff. I assume it would be the same for airlines. Who really wants to work as a flight attendant or break into that industry now with COVID floating around and all the asshole passengers? Bingo. Okay, so here's the way that I see it, and this is just based on my own experiences and what I've seen and heard. The staff shortage thing, because, I mean, Spirit Airlines, or you're absolutely right, a local diner, all having issues staffing. And that's why some people say, calm down with the step four thing around here, because businesses aren't able to keep up because they're having trouble hiring staff as it is in some cases. When it comes to these types of hospitality industries, you have people who are working there that maybe get their start doing it. Or, I mean, maybe if you are a flight attendant, that's exactly what you wanted to do your whole life. That's the lifestyle you want for the rest of your life. There aren't a lot of those people, Scott. There aren't a lot of those people that do want that for their entire life. So they know at some point they want to break out of that. And COVID, whether it's a restaurant or an airline, gave them the opportunity to do that, to pursue those other things. I know some people who used to be servers started to uh, do online schooling and do what they actually, what their goal was. But it's hard to do that when you're in the moment and you're working, right? And day to day, you're like, okay, I'm making good money here or this day was good, I'll keep going. And one day I'll break out of it. And I'm not saying everyone, like I said, that's in the industry wants to get out of it, but there's a good chunk. There's a good chunk. And I know from working in the restaurant industry, for example, there were a lot of people that, wanted to get out so badly and they didn't want that lifer t- title, but the lifestyle worked for them in the moment, but they knew eventually they wanted to do something different. So I think there's no difference between that and and flight attendants, for example, or, or yeah. I'm sure there's many other industries that I'm not even thinking of where it is working this way. And perhaps it's those entry-level positions that are going to be hardest to fill because like you said, who's going you know what I want to do for a living? I'm starting off my education. I'd like to go to school and I would like to be a flight attendant. 
not a ton of them right now. So it's going to be an issue for a little while, I think. Yeah, I mean, the, the shortage does make sense. And you're absolutely right about the reasoning for it. It doesn't change the fact that Spirit sold a whole bunch of tickets for their flights and then didn't fly the planes. Right. What do you do about 400 flights got canceled? Thousands of people greatly inconvenienced or stuck. What the fuck do you do there? Yeah. Shit. The cost of that, because not only did they have to pay the staff that were at work, even though their flight got canceled. They had to put up a lot of those people in hotels and provide meals for them. It must have cost them a fortune mm-hmm. to cancel all those flights. It's ridiculous. I, I, I They got to figure it out because I think we generally need to know that if we're taking a flight somewhere, it's for a reason and our flight is going to take off. They can't just say, yeah, fuck it. Sorry. Weather. We don't have enough staff. Go home. Fuck off. Yeah, you can't just do that. They already have a bad rep, though, which is the funniest part. Spirit? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Discount carriers in America are a little different from the discount carriers that we have here. Generally, I find our discount carriers are still fairly safe and reliable. I have no problem flying on, uh, uh, what's a good example? um, Flare. Flare, for example. I find their pricing very misleading, but... I mean, they'll get you from A to B, and that's fine. That's all I want. And if I save a few bucks, that's great. I know that if I want a bit more of a premium service, I can pay extra and fly WestJet or Air Canada. In the States, Discount Airline really is Discount Airline. It is cheap, but you get fuck all. And in a lot of cases, you don't get treated very well at all. Uh, With flair there, I should clarify what I said about their pricing. Uh, Right now, for example, you can get an $89 flight to Kelowna. Ooh, that same flight is like 500 bucks on Air Canada. But by the time you fat, you can't fly without a bag. Nobody's flying to the West Coast for a couple hours and then coming right back. You need a bag. You'll need a carry-on. You'll need certain things. And by the time you factor in all those extra costs, it's really not that much cheaper, in my estimation anyway. Uh, while we're talking about travel, this is a good thread on Reddit. And sometimes these Reddit threads have so much truth in them that I really believe it. I I believe these. It's the things you don't want to know about hotel rooms. (laughs) Oh, my God. You could fill a warehouse with the things I don't want to know about hotel rooms. Yeah. uh, Number one, they say do not trust the drinking glasses in your hotel room. They say the main goal of the cleaning staff is to make everything look clean. So a lot of times they'll be using the same dirty rag that they wipe down the counters with and the bathroom with to clean the glasses in the room. Yep. Nobody should be surprised by that. Bed bugs are real. Doesn't matter if it's a cheap motel or a five-star resort. They've had them before and they could have them again. So they say never put your suitcase on the bed. Always check the corners Mm -hmm. of the mattress and underneath the fitted sheet. If you see any evidence of bed bugs, get the fuck out of there. Mm-hmm. Number three, people do nasty things in hotel rooms. It's not unheard of for maids to find used condoms and sex toys that people left behind. On a related note, sex workers tend to leave big tips for the maids. Yeah, there's oh. fucking sex stuff everywhere. Jizz all over the walls. I mean, 
Oh, no. What hotels have jizz all over the walls? I don't know. The really dirty ones, maybe. Yeah. Uh, but that's the old joke, right? Like, sure. oh, it's fucking gross. You don't want to bring a blacklight into a hotel room. You really don't. I mean, do you want to know? Because I'm sure you're going to find some pretty questionable shit. Don't sit naked on anything in a bed. Or on the bed, yeah. on the chair. Don't sit naked anything. anywhere in a hotel room. Yeah, that's a good tip. Not even in the shower. Wear your bathing suit. Wear underwear on the toilet, guys. <laughs> People die in hotels all the time is their fourth tip. One guy claimed it happened in almost half the beds at a dingy hotel where he used to work. Yeah. He says it obviously depends on the type of hotel you're staying in. The ones that tend to attract uh, a lot of drug use and things like that. People die in those rooms. Um, there's, and there's, you'd never know that just checking in, right? There are some hotels that are synonymous with suicides um, as yep. well. That people you're will absolutely go, right. Yeah, that people will go there. Uh, but for the most part, like unless you're an out-of-towner, and that's where, you get, that's where the issue comes in, because usually if you're staying at a hotel, you're an out-of-towner. But the people who live at those places, they could tell you stories about how many police officers, right? Because otherwise, you don't know. But have you ever seen a lot of cops at a certain motel or hotel near where you live? Yeah, and you'll and you'd know in your mind, I tell my friends and family to stay away from there. But if you're an out of towner, you may not know that. And you think, eh, I'm gonna save a couple bucks here. Little do you know, it's like a suicide or death hotel where people get murdered or shot. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If only in theaters, May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. You mentioned uh, police officers. I'm going to do a great cop story because I love this one. It's out of New Jersey. The officer's name is Dan, and Dan got called out to deal with a noise complaint. I'm sure cops have better things to do than investigate why people are calling in noise complaints, but he went anyway, he did his job, he showed up, and he found that some teenagers had formed a band during the pandemic. And now that things are starting to ease up, they decided they were going to throw a concert in their backyard for their friends. So the cop gets there, and these guys have got a full band set up. They've got speakers. They had a tent there, and they were playing underneath it. They were ready to go. It was like a, a kid of Palooza here. And the cop said, guys, we're getting a lot of complaints here. You got to keep it down. And the guys were having a good time. They sounded good. They had that vibe. They didn't want to stop. They said, okay, listen, we just want to play a little bit more, just a little bit more. Come on, officer. Look the other way. The cop said, all right, I'll tell you what. I'm going to make you guys a deal. I'm going to let you play, even though your neighbors are livid here. I'm going to let you play one more song. But here's the catch. You got to let me sit in on the drums. The cop was a drummer. So they let him sit in on the drums, and they agreed that they would play Basket Case from Green Day. You want to hear it? Yeah. Get ready. The cops getting ready here. Here we go. Sometimes I give myself 
Officer Dan. It's so funny watching the video of this cop. And the kids got really into the fact that the cop was drumming the shit out of that song for their band. Oh, that's cool. I think that's awesome. I mean, shit like that goes a long way when you're a police officer trying to make inroads with the neighborhood. Uh, yeah. Good for him. There's, there's, a lot of, there's a lot of those kind of videos, and I love every single one of them, where you know the, you get complaints specifically about teenagers. I just, I wish, I implore people before you call in a complaint, especially when it comes to teenagers doing things like playing instruments. Look, if it's super late at night, I get it. Yeah, absolutely. And past 11 p.m., come on. Like, this is ridiculous noise complaint. I get it. But think of, I always just like to think about, and maybe that's, maybe I have my mom hat on, but, like, think of all the things that they could be doing. And they're out yep. watching, like, they're, they're, they're in a band. Like, calm the fuck down. They're not dealing drugs there, you know? I agree with you, Kat. I mean, hey, there's certain things that you've just got to be tolerant of for the greater good of society. And, yeah, you're right. Uh, they could be out... Uh, I don't know, uh, selling drugs, using drugs, buying handguns, selling handguns. The list goes on and on and on. And you usually hear about the bad shit. You don't hear enough about the good shit. So I think from a cop perspective and from a teenager perspective, that's such a great story. Two more quick things we're going to squeeze into this episode. The Canadian women's soccer team and the Swedish women's soccer team agree on something heading into the gold medal game. On Friday, it's going to be way too fucking hot to play soccer. That game is going to start at 11 a.m. Tokyo time, 10 p.m. our time. It's going to be 34 degrees Celsius. With the humidity, it'll be 43 Celsius at game time. And both Canada and Sweden are asking the Olympic organizers, Guys, you got to change the time of this game. I mean, that's prime time. Sun's up. It's going to be gross out there and very difficult to play. So for the IOC, they got a tough choice to make. Hmm. We can get this game on in prime time and get incredible ratings. Canada versus Sweden for gold in women's soccer. Or we can make the players a little more comfortable and play at a time when it's a little more shady outside, when it's not prime time heating time. What's the right decision mm-hmm. if you're on the IOC? Uh, so I know what I'd like to see happen is for them to be comfortable. I think both teams have advantage that way, but if I'm the IOC, I also realize that there's money at play and sponsors for this who Uh promised a certain time and who were promised, um, it to go down a certain way. And if they even potentially piss off any one of those, they may take a hit in the future. So they're going to watch their own ass. You know that they're going to watch their own ass first. My guess is they may consider it, but they're going to look into the money portion. It's all about money. So they're going to look into, is anyone sponsor-wise going to be pissed off? Who are we going to affect commercials, right? Because don't forget, they also had to sell advertising. So maybe um, if I'm, propel water, I'm going, well, I have my fucking commercial set for this time, and that's the time I want it. And now the the game's not even going to be on at that time. It's going to be at this time. And my audience, it doesn't stay awake that long or whatever the case might be. So that's where you run into some issues. So it's a lot more than it seems on the surface. That said, I don't see them doing it, but you never know. 
I mean, all the other athletes have to suck it up, I think, right? And, and not that I'm saying the soccer team should suck it up because I couldn't imagine running for basically two hours straight in that kind of heat. That's going to be nuts. Uh, arguably, it could even be dangerous. But both teams have to play under the same conditions. And in all the other sports, they don't have a choice either. Anything outdoors, you just kind of have to deal with it. Mm -hmm. Tokyo is hot. (laughs) That's all there is to it. It's August and it's hot over there. And we knew it would be when they booked the Olympics in Tokyo. I lied. Now I've got two more things. I think this is maybe an example of irony. Three people seriously injured by the iceberg wall at the Titanic Museum in Tennessee. Is that irony? I'm always looking for the true definition of irony. I mean, this is people that went to see something that did incredible, insane destruction and damage and then got hurt by the replica of it. Yeah. Um, I mean, I don't know if it's irony. It would be irony if, like, they fell into a pond at the exhibit and drowned. (laughs) (laughs) And all that was there was a door to hang on to. But... It still sucks nonetheless. So is this like a frozen wall? What is it? Tell me about this wall. Do you know? I think it was just a display. It was a display of a ship hitting the iceberg so that you could oh. kind of see like the angle it hit it on and stuff like that. And they got but the hit actual, with it. Yeah. The, the wall of iceberg okay. collapsed on three different people. They had to be rushed to the hospital. Yeah. I think that sucks. First of all, I always wonder about these museums and I've attended I've attended several Titanic, even Titanic all throughout there, because I've attended several Titanic exhibitions. Anytime it's in the area I go, I've been to the one in Vegas, which is tremendous, tremendous, I say, at the Luxor. Really good one if you want to check it out. Uh, and I, I will say there's pieces of the Titanic there, and they have them up on chains so that they're just kind of floating. And these are big pieces of the side of the Titanic. Mm-hmm. And I always did wonder, because there are people st- that stand underneath it. And like, look up, like, fuck no, that'll never be me. And this is exactly why. Who's in charge of maintaining this and making sure that it's staying up? So that that kind of stuff freaks me out, especially when, I mean, this is a piece of actual history that injured someone. Thankfully, nobody was killed, but it, it can happen. Yeah, I mean, and you're you're talking about looking up. What instantly comes to mind for me is looking down to this day. I still won't walk on the glass floor at the CN Tower. I just feel like I'm tempting fate. It's a bad idea, even though it's perfectly safe and it's fine and it's meant to give you a little rush. I'm not doing it. I'm not walking. Nope. Not that glass floor because if I can see all the way down, that's a big red flag for me. Finally, they say that unattractive people can become more attractive depending on what job they have. Find any truth in that? Yep. I think so, too. You could be a six. But if you're, I don't know, Elon Musk, well, you're a 10 now. There's people who feel that way. And it's not even necessarily because of the money. It could be for a number of reasons. So let's break it down. The 10 jobs that a woman would want a man to have, the ones that can make him more attractive in their eyes. Number one is doctor, mm-hmm. followed by lawyer, mm-hmm. carpenter, engineer, Project manager, firefighter, construction worker, software developer, mechanic, and accountant. All of those have distinct advantages. If you're with a doctor, yeah, you should uh, get some pretty good health care. If you're with a carpenter, you should have some pretty nice shit in your house. If you're uh, uh, with a firefighter, there's somebody who can save your life. See, and I... 
although you, all your points are accurate, that's not what I got from it. Isn't that What'd interesting? And maybe it's a man-woman thing, but because you're listing that, let's say we're talking about what women are into when it comes to men, there's a lot more to it because those professions mean a lot of things. There's a lot of meanings behind them. Uh, if you're a doctor, yep, you can probably help take care of the family. You're well-educated. And yes, you make good money too. If you're a carpenter, uh, and I know this from experience because my husband is one, you're good with your hands. You're a very handy person. And yes, you can also make shit, but you, you work hard and you, you know, like there's a lot of little things to all those professions that you said that you may not think of when you, when you read into it. Cause some people will just think money, money, money. And it's not about money, money, money. In a lot of cases, it's about feeling safe and lifestyle. And what do I want for a family? There's a lot more to it. Is there any correlation between what a woman finds sexy and a man doing and what the woman's own father does? Uh, I mean, I wouldn't say so. Hmm. No. Interesting. The top jobs that men find attractive for women. Number one is nurse. Hey, now. <laughs> Elementary school teacher, doctor, secretary, lawyer, dancer, middle school teacher, waitress, hairdresser, and receptionist. All on the list. A lot of those are nurturing. Yes. I get it. Yes. If you uh, have a thing for nurses, maybe you want to be nurtured. Same with teachers. They're compassionate, caring people who listen. So, yeah, I could totally see that. So I'll ask you the same question you asked me. Do you think role reversal here? Do you think that a lot of that has to do with that person's mother, for example, in correlation with how the mother is? Well, not necessarily in the specific occupation, but kind of like you said, in the overall feeling or vibe that you get from that person. Uh, hey, if, if you've got a, a thing for nurses, then maybe you like somebody who can take care of you, someone who is intelligent, someone who can nurture or even just listen. Same with teachers. I mean, that applies. Secretaries, law, uh, lawyers, not so much. <laughs> Don't even get me started on lawyers. Uh, the dancer one, I feel, is a little bit out of place in this case. Okay. Waitress, hairdresser, yeah, hairdresser, receptionist, yeah. I mean, the MO fits. But they also say there's some jobs that can make you less attractive. So let's see if the same thing holds up. According to women, the least attractive jobs for men are fast food worker, janitor, truck driver, cashier, and maid. Hmm. According to men, the least attractive jobs for women are Janitor, truck driver, fast food worker, plumber, and security guard. Okay. Interesting. Okay. So in this case, fast food worker made it for both. And I'm going to go out on a limb here and say there's far more fast food workers out there than there are uh, many other professions. Right. Does that instantly take them off the table or is it just a strike against them? I think it's just a strike against them. And I mean, there's there's always somewhere someone out there for everyone and people might be asking the question who maybe do any of these things for a living well what do you mean but again i think there's a lot more to it like um maybe lifestyle is one of the reasons maybe to them they need to have someone who has a university diploma period the end or needs to make a certain amount of salary so maybe it is surfaced up maybe it isn't necessarily what you do for a living or how you are as a person it's more about that so yeah i don't know some of the stuff 
Yeah, I guess it makes sense. I would abuse the living shit out of that if I was dating a fast food worker. Oh, you on your way home? Uh, throw a little combo in a bag yeah. there and bring it with you? Mm, a little hungry? <laughs> Same with truck driver. I would abuse the shit out of that. Oh, where are you going this week? The States? Great. Go to Target for me. I need you to pick up some Cocoa Pebbles or something <laughs> like that. <laughs> okay, and truck driver. I'm glad you mentioned that one because I know we have a lot of uh, people who drive truck that probably wonder, what is it about us? You know what I think it might be, too, is that when it comes to what women are thinking, we do think beyond just dating someone. In a lot of cases, we're thinking about who we would want to be our spouse, perhaps the father of our kids. And for some people, though, it's just about those lifestyles not lining up for them. Um, people who travel often or for long periods of time, although that's not every truck driver, some truck drive a truck daily and they're back home and then they're sleeping in their own beds at night. But for some people, that thought, I think, scares them. Like, well, I want someone who's around all the time. I don't want someone who leaves for like a week, two weeks at a time, which is the case in, in, in some cases. Even though they make really good money, they're not thinking that way. They're thinking more so, what lifestyle do I align with? Glad you mentioned how many truck drivers listen to this podcast. If you're one of our truckers, we love you. Thank you so much for being such a loyal fan of After 9. And thank you, everybody, for downloading this episode. We'll have another brand new one out tomorrow. Then on Friday, Dave Blazar joins us. Ah, it's a great week. Have yourselves a good one. The After 9 podcast is powered by Tony Johal, broker at REMAX Twin City. Your home sold, guaranteed, or he'll buy it.